We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is up, guys? Thursday, April the 20th, 2023. Hope you're all doing well. Chris Phillips here, your host of the Daily Crow of the Spurs Up Show. Appreciate you all tuning in. ICC, Youngblood, Travi, Jeff, DGD, Noah Johns, GA. What's going on? Also, those in the Big Cock Club Discord. Head over to the TDC Questions channel, the TDC Questions channel. To be sure your questions are answered there, guys. We are rocking. We are rolling. John Everett, what's up? I'll see you tonight, my friend, Justin Langford. Appreciate you as well. Very excited to chat with you all here on this Thursday, we got a lot to get into. Of course, guys, podcast also dropped this morning, episode 777, a full breakdown of this weekend against the Florida Gators. Of course, we also talked recruiting, uh, some different rumors around Gamecocks football. Also, a uh, great conversation with my good friend Brett Siatia of Pick 6 Previews. Of course, we've had Brett on the show before. We look back at the 2022 season, talk a little Spencer Rattler, Juice Wells, spring game. And uh, just just talk a little bit about the 2023 season. We're going to get uh, we're going to get uh, Brett Ciancia on the show later in the summer when his magazine drops, and we will do a full deep dive of the 2023 season and the football team and everything as well. Uh, so looking forward to that again. Check out the pod that dropped this morning. Of course, guys, as always, TDC brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Go down the Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com, and when you do, use that promo code. T-S-U-S to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, you can play literally anything and everything, college sports, pro sports, you name it. They have got it over at Price Picks. So again, check them out. So many fans and listeners of the Daily Crow and of the Spurs Up show have made tons of money with our friends at Price Picks, and you should as well. So again, go check out prizepicks.com or head over to the Price Picks app. Use promo code TSUS to get your 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Check them out. Tell them that Chris and the Spurs Up Show sent you. With that being said, let's jump to the phone lines. Call from Charles. Charles, what's up, man? How are you? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, man. What's going on? All right. I got two baseball-related questions for you. So mm-hmm. the first one... Um, why do you think Sanders' velo has been down all year? And, like, like what, what do you think about that? Like, I don't think he's injured, but, like, mm-hmm. why do you think – because, I mean, even in the fall, like, they, we saw videos and stuff of him throwing, like, 97 on track, man. Like, what do you think is up with that? 
You know, I, I, that's a great question. I've noticed that as well. He's more so down around like 93, 94, even 92 a little bit. I, I don't know if he's for the sake of longevity. Maybe he's not going at 100%. Like, I, I don't really, you know, want to believe that. I mean, I, you feel like when he if he maxes out, he can still hit that number. I mean, I, I remember actually a couple of weekends ago, he did touch 97 once. So, I think it's in there. Like, I, I don't know if he's trying to – you know, for the sake of, like I mentioned, lengthening starts, lengthening his use in the season. I don't know if he's kind of scaling back, but I think we'd all agree, right, that whatever it is, it's it's not – he's not reaching his his full potential doing whatever he's doing. So, um, I don't know, though. Other than that, because I, I agree with you, man, they wouldn't be throwing him if he wasn't hurt, right? I, I don't know exactly what it is. If there's something mechanically there, I mean, there could be. There could be something mechanically, but – I don't know. I, I think that's a great question for sure. We probably we may not know until after the season, but uh, yeah, it's it's been something that I've noticed as well. And my second question is like, obviously with Hall being hurt, mm. you know, we have the pitching depth, but it obviously always hurts to lose a starter. Why do you think? Um, it feels like we haven't like trusted Mahoney to go longer into games. Like I know Mississippi State, he got pulled out with like sixty-five pitches, mm. and then last week, and he got pulled out with like seven. Do you think that that was just like a, a situational thing with them or like maybe him coming back from injury that they aren't letting him get up to that like 100 pitch count? Well, you know, I, I think that uh, you make a great point in regards to coming back from Tommy John. I mean, I, that could have something to do with it. Maybe they don't want to, you know, overexert him or use him more than necessary. I mean, again, I, I think you also have to think about the fact that, you know, maybe they're trying to – you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint, you know, and so I think maybe they're trying to conserve these guys for like when you get down the road, late May, if you will, you get to the postseason, SEC tournament, regional supers, you don't want your guys being burnt out. With that being said, though, you know, I actually talked about this this morning on Inside the Gamecocks with uh, with JB and JC and Phil that, you know, Will Sanders and Jack Mahoney both, man, to your point, at some point, those guys have got to start going longer than five innings, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, you're going to need them to yeah, stretch it out a little bit and conserve your bullpen, especially right now with Noah Hall being out and there's mystery in game three, who starts and who you throw. So, um, you know, you need both those guys to step up, man. I, mean, I think it's a huge weekend for both of them. Um, you know, again, with the Mahoney situation, could it be more so injury related or coming off that injury from what was it now? Two years ago though. So, I mean, I, I don't know that it would be injury related necessarily, but you definitely need more out of those guys because I, I tell you what's so crazy is we sit here 10 and four in sec play and I think Will Sanders and especially Jack Mahoney, they've been solid. I don't think they've been elite. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think our starting pitching has been elite, and we're still 10-4. and four. So imagine if it just one of those guys gets rolling. Imagine if one of them gets hot and pitches to that elite level that we feel like they can get to, and they start giving you a consistent six, seven innings, you know, two, three earned runs. You're really going to be cooking then. So maybe it starts this weekend, but I definitely think getting more out of those two guys with Noah Hall out – uh, I think it's definitely a point of emphasis moving forward. Gotcha, man. Well, that's all I got, but I appreciate your time today. Hey, I appreciate the call, man. Thank you so much. Great questions. Great stuff. Yeah, great stuff. That's a great start to the show, and I, I definitely wanted to get into that, guys, you know, with, with Noah Hall being out. I mean, there's just more pressure on Will Sanders and Jack Mahoney. It's inevitable. It's inevitable, right? So, um, you know, we, uh, we'll see what they do this weekend. Tough Gators lineup, man. I, I think these two teams, and of course you guys have probably seen already, I do have the Gamecocks winning two of three. I'm sure many of you are tuned in and saying to yourself, well, we're losing two of three or we're getting swept because Chris is the ultimate jinx, which, 
again, it's so funny. I have picked Carolina to win a series so many times this year, and they have won a series so many times this year. So, um, I mean, people just only pay attention when we miss. They only want to give they, they only want to give commentary when you miss. They don't want to give commentary when you hit. So, whatever it is, what it is. Um, I feel good about the weekend though. I got the Gamecocks, like I said, winning two of three. Uh, feel really, really, really comfortable with it, and. Uh, yeah, so I'm excited for the weekend. I think it's a great opportunity for Carolina. It is a great opportunity for Carolina to, to you know, continue to reaffirm to people that they are for real, legit, when it comes to like a top eight national seed and what have you. But uh, anyways, guys, also later in the show, J.C. Sherbert will join us at 115. I'm very, very excited to talk to J.C. on the football side of things in regards to some, the, the, the Jordan Birch rumors. We'll also get an update on Jalen Nichols, if you will. I think there's a lot of things. Spring game talk. We'll talk a lot of college football game cocks. We'll also touch on the baseball stuff. But, of course, J.C. and also recruiting. My goodness. My goodness. We'll talk a ton of recruiting. Um, let's see. Anyways, guys, 843-790-337. Tim, I would love to hear from you all. 843 3377 <laughs> I don't rock jerseys nearly as much as I used to, but I, I, I do like a good jersey. I do like a good jersey. So, uh, let's see. Again, guys, the recruiting yesterday, uh, the recruiting yesterday, after we got off the air, right, Mike Williams came in, Kelvin Hunter came in, then Braden Lee, right after we got off the air, South Carolina crushing in recruiting, as I mentioned earlier, or mentioned yesterday, and I dropped a clip late yesterday, and, uh, I mean, it's it's just what's happening right now in Columbia is just unprecedented when it comes to recruiting. We've never seen this type of recruiting before. Uh, our good friend Brad Crawford just dropped game-by-game predictions, full predictions for the entire ACC. Let's see what he's got for Clem Sucks. Let's see. What does he have? He's also got North Carolina going 7-5, and 4-4 four and four in the ACC. He's got Clem Sucks 11 and 1. 11 and 1. Wow. That will. Wow. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. He's got their one loss to Notre Dame. Mm. So I'm assuming that Brad is a believer in Garrett Riley. He's, he's got to be. He's got to be a believer in Garrett Riley. So. I don't know. Anyways, Clem sucks 11 and 1. Jeff Gullich says, I've been toned out lately due to work, so you might have given your take on it. You're saving it. But what is your thought about Jordan wanting to come back? Jeff, I'll just, you know, there's a lot of back and forth. The debate on this is is very interesting. And it's it's so funny, by the way, guys, because I have so many people. There's people that will comment on certain posts that say, you know, we don't care what this guy has to say. We don't care about this topic. And, you know, I, I, I speak directly on the the Mark Ryan conversation yesterday and his 
his uh you know his thoughts on the Jordan Birch thing and you know it's it's so funny when it comes to like a guy like Mark Ryan. Am I sitting here telling you every take he's ever had has been great? Hell no. Mark's had some horrific takes. He's had some takes that I, I I adamantly disagreed with. But I'm a content man. People care what Mark Ryan has to say. They care because his thoughts on Jordan Birch and him not you know he he wouldn't take it back. Six thousand four hundred fifty two views on Twitter right now. Five retweets, 32 replies, 21,000 views on the old Bird app. Man, folks, I'm a content man. Those numbers play. They play very well, right? So, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like people care. They, they it's almost like it, it is what it really is, is people hate Mark Ryan. Some people hate Mark Ryan so much they can't wait to hear what he has to say next. They just can't wait because what craziness is going to come out of his mouth. Anyways, the Jordan Birch thing. <clears throat> I, I will say, number one, as we all know, it, 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 it it's 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 Shane Beamer's and that team's decision to make. I, I would put it to a vote to the football team. If there is any doubt or, you know what, I think this goes against what we're building, you don't bring him back. Right? It depends on the nature of the exit. It depends on variables that we just simply do not have access to the information of what happened upon his departure. With that being said, would Jordan Birch help you at the edge? Sure. But I would not risk compromising the culture that you've built for one guy. I, I, I wouldn't do it. I, I just I think it's messy. I think it's messy if you bring him back. I I personally wouldn't do it. And it's not even like a hard feelings like screw you. It's just, you know what? What's been done has been done, and there's no putting the toothpaste back in the tube. It's it's what's done is done. You know what I mean? What's done is done, and and maybe this will be a good learning lesson for you to learn that, you know what, when you make a decision, you got to learn from that decision. You you, got to learn from that, you know? So there's a lot of variables, like I said, that we don't know about, but me personally, I I, I just, I don't think so. I I don't think one guy, the impact that he would have, I mean, he's not some All-American guy. Jordan Birch was an ice player. He wasn't an All-American, All-Conference guy. So I, I I would say, you know what? We'll be fine. We're good. We're not going to potentially hurt the culture that we've built for this one guy. I, that's just me. That's just me. Now, again, if Beamer identifies that, you know what? There was a misunderstanding here, you know, whatever. The exit was graceful, and you know what? Then then so be it. But just from what we know, from what I know, I, I don't think I would take Birch back. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, from from our vantage point, I wouldn't. Jeremy, what else is your job to win games and he helps us win games? Does he, Jeremy? I mean, does he really? I mean, he was part of a defensive front that gave up 194 yards per game on the ground. He got sucked in on every freaking read option. I, I just, I, I, I don't think, I, I will roll with Desmond Umiozulu at the edge. I, I will. I will. I, I'll, I'll roll with Umiozulu and I'll roll the dice there and just, and just rock with that guy. I, I will. I, I will. So. Coleman Hall, is this Burks talking anything more than hot air per sources? Well, Coleman, we're going to have J.C. Sherwood on later. And, and I won't spend a lot of time talking about it, but I will ask him about it because J.C. is Coleman to, to, to keep it a buck. He's one of the dudes I asked about it, and he confirmed that there was real talk that Burks would like to come back. So it's not just some guy on Twitter said this or somebody, you know, I think you would trust J.C. Sherwood. I, I don't know why either I don't get the benefit of the doubt. I don't know why I don't. Why don't I get the benefit of the doubt? I mean, I, I don't pride myself on being a per sources guy, insider guy, whatever, but I mean – I've built TSUS up to a point, not trying to like ego pump my chest up, but I, I've built TSUS up to a point where 
you know, just just being, you know, having the platform you have. It's just you, you run into information. You hear things. You hear certain things. You talk to people. So, anyways, I, I'm not saying, Coleman, you're asking an unfair question because there is definitely a difference. We do come across <clears throat> rumors that are some have legitimacy, some have none. So, no, I this is something I, I talked with JC about, and uh, he did confirm that uh, it, there was there was real traction here. There was, re- and who knows who knows what's going to happen, but. Uh, yeah, anyways, not just a Twitter rumor. I'll put it that way. Uh, Will Croson says, what makes Florida's bullpen suspect, like you have mentioned this week, is the lack of depth. They just haven't pitched well. I mean, bottom line, you look at the numbers, I think they've got like a 5-7 ERA in the bullpen. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, their bullpen ranks middle of the pack in the SEC. I'm not saying they're terrible, Will. I'm not saying they don't have guys that throw hard. I'm not saying they don't have talented guys. But they've blown some leads late in games. Um you know, that's happened more than a couple of times for them. The games they've lost, it seems like they've blown them in the eighth and ninth inning. So, so bullpen has definitely been their issue this season. They've Again, it's Florida, man. They, they've got dudes that throw gas. I mean, they've got dudes that if they figure it out, they cut it on. You know, they're, they're extremely talented pitchers, right? They're extremely talented pitchers. But uh, that that has been an area of concern. And, and, and Brandon is out. They're closer due to suspension. So, you know, that does not help either. That does not help either. Anyways, guys. Let's see. 843-790-3377. Want to continue to hear from you. Jeff Tarpley says, per my sources, Dabo is an idiot. Sources confirm that is correct. Uh, let's see. Will Hall, Chris, did you see the news that Dabo's talking about pulling scholarships from former walk-ons if they're over their max roster limit by August? I did see that, and I don't know. Coleman Hall says, we're thin at DN and Edge. Birch is a former five-star SEC starter. Not sure how you turn that down in the transfer portal if it came your way. I mean, again, Coleman, it all falls at the feet of Shane Beamer. You know, it depends on the name. Nature of the exit. I mean, Coleman, it'd be, it'd be like me telling you, though, like, you know, Jaheim Bell was a former four-star SEC starter, this, that. Would you take him back? Marshawn Lloyd, kind of same thing. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, if, if, if the rumors are true of how his – the nature of his exit. I, I think the nature of the exit definitely matters. I think the nature of the exit absolutely matters. But, you know, because the, the big thing would be this. it's Nobody's saying it wouldn't be beneficial to take a talented player from the portal. But would it go against the culture that you're building? That, that's what the question would come back to, right? How does it impact your locker room? How does it impact your culture? Because, you know, compromising what you've built in the locker room would not be worth one solid player. It just, it's just not. I mean, dude, it, it's, it's, it, it's not. Flat out, it's just not. So... But listen, I, I will say this. I will say this. If Jordan Birch came back, I, I'd welcome him back. I'd, I'd be happy that it was back. Because again, Beamer would have made that decision. And, you know, we all trust what Beamer does and what he has to say. And I mean, I'd be luck. I'd, I'd be, I'd be happy to have him back. I, I'd, I'd have no problem with him coming back as long as Beamer signs off on it. But if you're just asking me from my perspective, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I would. Personally, I don't think I would. I think I'd say, you know what? We recruited well at defensive line. We believe in our guys, the toothpaste out of the tube, and uh, we're good. I just say we're good. We're good. Ruination, what's up, man? Appreciate you. What's going on? What's going on? 
Let's see. Jeremy Wardell says, if anyone on here thinks we are better without Burge on our team, well, I can't help you. I mean, Jeremy, we might be better with him. Um, we might be better with him. But how much better? How much better? Uh, ben Smith, so you got roasted on the big spur. Didn't join him because you're my guy in the best Gamecocks podcast. What are your thoughts on that? Ben, I, I didn't see anything, Ben. So I am unfamiliar with the roasting on the big spur that you have mentioned. I, I, I honestly have not seen it at all, which, I, dude, I don't give a damn, bro. They, they've been burst. They've been roasting me on the big spur for, for years, bro. Literally for years. Literally for years. So, I, uh, I didn't even see it, to be honest with you. I didn't see it, to be honest with you. And, you know, I, I, I've always just looked at it this way, man. If there are threads being created about me on Gamecock message boards, that's a positive. Like we're making waves. Like like we're 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 we are we are putting opinions out in the universe that are that are moving the needle, and that's a great spot to be in. That that's a that's a great. I hope I hope there's more of that in the near future. I really do. We we are we are putting out takes. But see, you know what's funny about that? To your point, Ben. And this is just. And I understand. Listen, I'm I'm not really griping about the way social media works because I've been able to build my business on social media, and it's and it's worked out really well. If I do say so myself, but. It's funny how people only only comment on and utilize the content that backs whatever spin narrative they're trying to push. Like, this guy's a Clemson fan. He hates the Gamecocks. He's a hater. He's negative. He's toxic. Right? They're only going to comment on posts that support that. So when I'm being critical, I'm picking a loss, I'm calling out, this person, that person, or I'm, I'm just kind of, I have an edgy take or opinion. It's only those comments and posts, right? Because I, I believe in keeping the energy consistent. I'm not 100% positive. I'm not 100% negative. I'm just all across the board, call it as you see it, black and white, whatever. So like yesterday, for example, when I have a, and it did really well, by the way, I'm not complaining how this did because right now, I mean, I, and I'm not like a dude that sits here and counts views, but 2,700 views, that's pretty solid on Twitter. It did well, but it's so funny. The people that that spew this hatred and BS, they don't give the same energy to, like when I'm talking about the great things Shane Beamer is doing and, and the great job he's doing in recruiting. They don't give the same energy to the positive things I say about a guy like a DeCarrion Joiner or when I give credit to Jordan Birch after the season. or They just don't give those things the same energy. They only utilize the, I won't even say negative. They only utilize the edgy post to further push whatever narrative it is. So, I, I mean, whatever, bro. It is what it is. That's why you just got to kind of keep rocking and rolling and 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 stay true to yourself and, and be genuine and honest. And, you know, once you put, guys, what I've learned, and I knew this way early on, but, and I would tell any content creator, once you put a piece of content out there, once you put an opinion out there, how the masses respond to it is not your responsibility it's just not focus on what you can control control what you can control which is staying true and genuine to yourself and operating as such giving an honest opinion giving a real opinion giving a real take no matter who it pisses off no matter who likes it because again how you consume something i say it's not my responsibility it's it's really not at the end of the day it's not and so 
that's where a lot of these Gamecock content creators and a lot of content creators in general, they just want everyone to like them. Dude, not everybody's going to like you. It, it doesn't matter what you do. You could be 24-7 sunshine pumping. There's some people that hate that. Dude, you're so nauseatingly optimistic. Stop. You keep it real, keep it a buck, you're critical. Oh my God, you're so negative, you're toxic. There's no winning. There's no winning, right? That's why you got to be true and genuine to yourself. That's it. That's it. So, um, yeah, anyway. So the people on the big spur, they're upset that I said something about Luke Doty and what I would do if I was Doty. I, doesn't really phase me at all, my guy. <laughs> it just is what it is. I mean, it's, I don't even think the take I gave was, was all that hot. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it was all that hot. I mean, I, I said if I was Doty and it was about playing time, I would transfer. That's not a hot take. That's a pretty normal thing. People are hitting the portal left and right in college football. I'm assuming that's what it was about because I think somebody actually mentioned this yesterday. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 you know, there's a lot of people, too, on the message boards. It's like the scum of Twitter. Those That's kind of where those people congregate, so... Whatever. Anyways, anyways, we're getting off topic. 8437903377 guys. 8437903377. I want to continue to hear from you of course. Your questions, comments, calls a huge series this weekend. Huge series this weekend in or at Founders Park, I should say. Gamecocks taking on the Oh, Ben Smith lying about the spring game attendance. Well, I didn't lie about the spring game attendance, Ben. I, I just, I honestly genuinely thought that Willie B, the bottom the bottom bowl, held 37,000. I, I didn't know it. So that that was my, I didn't know. If it's 42,000, great. I didn't say what the attendance was, though. Um, oh, about lying? Oh, okay, okay. Dude, everybody lies about spring game attendance. They're all just made up. They're all they're all made up numbers. Let's jump to the phone lines here. Call from Robbie Davis and Zachary Hall of Famer. Robbie, what's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing on this Thursday? I am doing fantastic, my friend. I appreciate you asking what's going on. Okay, I'm going to give you my opinions on what I would do with Birch and then give you my predictions and then get off of here. Okay. Okay. So, are you ready? Go ahead, yep. If I was the head football coach anywhere, Anywhere. It doesn't have to be South Carolina. If there was a guy that left and I had nothing to do with it, it was all his decision, if he wanted to come back, I would put it to a team vote. I would get everybody in the in the main team meeting room, have him standing up there next to me, and I'm I'll tell him like it's up to them. So I would tell the team that's the team the team that, that I'm coaching at that time. I'll be like, okay, those of you that want him to that are okay with him coming back, I want you to stand up. Those of you that want him to leave and not come back, stay seated. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I think a team vote. I think a team vote's the way to go. I, I do agree with you. I would put it to the. I'd be like, it's not up to me. It's up to them. Because I'm not the one that you stabbed. I'm, I mean, obviously, yeah, you stabbed me in the back, kind of, sort of. But technically, you stabbed them in the back worse than me. Because these were your teammates. So I'm putting it on them. So that's what I, that's what I would do, mm. in my opinion. And then also, for, the, for tonight and the Friday and Saturday, I, I, 
after the way we've been playing the last couple of weekends, I've wanted to pick us to sweep so bad, but I just can't do it just solely based off of how our defense has been the last few games. But I do believe we'll take two out of three, and I think we'll win tonight and win Friday and lose on Saturday. Okay. Fair enough. And I got seven to two, mm-hmm. seven to four, and six to, but I think double digits, I, th- I think if we can if we can somehow get double digit runs, that would help tremendously. But those are my predictions for the weekend. So, um, and who wait? Who's pitching for us tonight? Sanders tonight, Will Sanders. Tonight, yes, tonight, Will Sanders. Up. Yes, yes. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so even if we have a series start on a Thursday, he's pitching on a Thursday. Okay, got it. I don't know why I thought somebody else would be pitching for some reason. But anyways, those are my thoughts on the Birch thing and my predictions. And safe travels to Fort Mill today, okay? Mm-hmm. Some people don't know how to drive correctly, so safe travels. Go Gamecocks and to heck with Clemson. Robbie, you're the man. I appreciate the call. Always great stuff from you, my friend. You're welcome, buddy. Have a good one. Yeah, man. Take care. Great stuff from Robbie Davis. He feels good going in the weekend. And I definitely think you'll see double digits scored at some point this weekend. These two offenses, two of the best in college baseball. And, um, yeah, I, I think without a doubt, I think without a doubt you're going to see uh, some offensive fireworks. I, I think you're going to see a lot of runs scored this weekend, guys. I just – Hitting's the name of the game, man, in college baseball. I, I just I, – I've been wrong before. You know, I, I thought it was going to be a pitching duel with Paul Skeens and, uh, you know, pitching duel with Paul Skeens and, and South kind of tease off. So, you never know. But uh, I, I'd be I'd be surprised if it's not a lot of runs. I, I really would. I really would. So, we shall see. Uh, let's get into your questions. Look at your questions here. Let's see. Again, Ben, I, I I literally, Ben, while Robbie was on the phone, just looked at four pages of the Big Spur and did not even see the thread you were talking about. So I don't, I, don't know. I have no idea, my guy. Whatever, let let them let them chat. Uh, I I the only thing I said about spring game attendance, I didn't say that people were lying about it. But Paul Feinbaum tweeted, "What's your favorite completely made up college football stat?" And I said, "Every spring game attendance number tweeted ever by any official team account." I, I mean, I think that's funny. I think that's funny. I don't know. Some some people just take it. So extremely personal, bro. <laughs> Some people just take it so extremely personal. Um, I didn't say anybody's ever lying, but like, dude, you don't count tickets. Like nobody's, you're not counting tickets. So like the numbers are made up. They are. They, they are. Everybody's making the numbers up. Uh, let's see. Chris says, are we going to be hurt if all three of those guys who were separated from the team don't come back at all? Well, Anthony Rose is already in the transfer portal. And the other two, Upshaw and, and Rames, I, I wouldn't expect them back. So, I think at this point, man, Chris, you're kind of moving as if they're not a part of the team. And if you get even one of them back, it's it's just a massive bonus. But, uh, yeah, so. Let's see. Braddock, what's up, my friend? What's going on? Let's see. Will Hall... Let's see. Jeff 
Jeff Tarpley, I'm not exactly sure what the running back situation looks like in the portal. Will Hall says that uh, was just looking at a depth chart from ourlads.com updated a few days ago. I don't agree with it. I'm just saying, yeah, I just got this pulled up. They've got Juice and Leggett, Juice Leggett and Brown starting at receiver. Um, I mean, again, you can look at this entire thing if you want. They got Tyreek Johnson at the defensive end. Brian Thomas backing him up. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, interesting. Interesting, those guys. It's crazy, man. To sit down and do depth charts for every team is... That would take a while. (laughs) That would take a while. Um... Ben Smith, uh, what's the issue with all the errors in the fielding? Is it just lack of focus? I mean, I, I always look at it, Ben. There are physical mistakes and there are mental mistakes, right? There are physical stakes, mistakes, and there are mental mistakes. And and I look at the I look at the errors in the field as more so mental mistakes than anything. Listen, physical mistakes are gonna happen. You die for a ball and you miss it, you try to make a tough play, backhanded, short hop. It's gonna happen. But a lot of these errors are just they're they're just easy plays you know what I mean so you got to clean it up I think it will get cleaned up I I think it just uh I mean listen man baseball is a hard game Ben and uh if you lose your focus even just for a second right just for a second um you know you you can make an error boot a ball what have you and it seems like too when you make errors and you're you're thinking to yourself god I hope I don't get one hit to me because I'm just struggling right now mentally that's when the ball finds you right that's when the ball finds you so um yeah it's it's I, I think it'll get cleaned up I'm I'm not overly concerned about it right now but it definitely has to get corrected no doubt um let's see coach ford says you can't critique anyone until it blows up and everyone has the opinion you had three years ago look at the people dogging lloyd about that thigh bruise when i questioned his injury and heart to play i was swamped yeah i mean it for sure casey curry what you hearing about dylan stewart i think he's a game cop or i think he's at least favoring the game cocks i think we got a great chance to land him uh, Shannon asking about Jalen Nichols. We will ask and talk to JC Sherbert about that today at 115. He posted something on his boards about that. Uh, it does not sound like great news. I'll just leave it at that again. I'll let JC Sherbert expand on that more so. Uh, Jeff Gullich, who was the transfer from FSU? I forget his name. He was an edge. You know, the, the transfer portal's open right now. So we'll see just kind of what happens with it. I mean, you would assume that, uh, uh, South Carolina, again, will be active. I would imagine they they will. They will be active. How about this? The Gamecocks capture the fifth straight Palmetto Series trophy. The Gamecocks won this year's head-to-head points competition against Clem Sucks with a final score of 8-5. to five. The Gamecocks swept the Tigers in the four major sports in 2022 to 2023 including football, men's and women's basketball, and baseball. The trophy will be presented during a football game against Furman on September the 9th. The Gamecocks now lead the overall Palmetto Series 5-0. So, I didn't know that the Palmetto Series was only a five-game thing. And we've just won all five. How about that? That's something. By the way, just really quickly, happy 420 to those that celebrate. Uh, just, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Happy 420 if you celebrate. If not, ignore me. 
Big Game Boomer dropped his way too early power rankings for the SEC. He's got Georgia, LSU, Bama, and then the Gamecocks at fourth. Tennessee fifth, A&M sixth, Ole Miss seventh, Arkansas eighth, Mississippi State ninth, and Missouri tenth. I also saw something where Big Game Boomer is picking the Gamecocks to go 10-2. and 10-2! and two. Brendan said, what's up, Chris? Last undergrad class. Congratulations to Brendan M. finishing up. How about that? How about that? Congratulations, my friend. Ben Smith, who was the worst OC over the last seven years? BMAC, Roper, or Satterfield? I think you got to go Kurt Roper, dude. I don't know. I think you got to go Roper. Brian said, a few days ago, I saw a premium content thread of a Gamecock saying Alabama's in contact with Nick Emanuori. Is there any truth to that? I mean, NIL's a crazy place, Brian. So, I mean, I, I, I've heard a little bit that there's been some uh, negotiation, but I, I don't think Emanuori is going anywhere. Uh, listen, we'll ask J.C. Sherbert about it as well. We'll ask J.C. Sherbert. Again, it's on his board. So, uh, we will get as much information as possible from J.C. So, Yeah, Coleman brings up Roper again. You know, that's the only thing, you know, I've, I've, I've heard people or people have told me, people have told me that, uh, you know, Chris, Connor Shaw's a big, a, a big, uh, a, a big Dowell Loggins guy, loves Dowell Loggins. And, and I love Connor Shaw. We all do. But our guy, Connor, was also a big Roper guy. And yeah, so again, I, I don't think it's going to play out the same way. I'm just saying, though, you never know. You never know. Just because somebody's your buddy or they're 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 a good dude, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be that it's going to pan out the way that you hope. Either way, uh, guys, really excited for the weekend. The star power. There will be no shortage of it. Jack Caglione for the Gators and Ethan Petrie for South Carolina. That matchup specifically, and it's why Ethan Petrie is my key player of the weekend. In a weekend like this, where there are stars all over the field, you need your stars to play their best. And Ethan Petrie, I know he's a true freshman. At this point in the season, guys, you're really not a true freshman anymore, right? Like, you've got a ton of experience. You're going into game number 38, right? Conference game number 15. You're almost like a seasoned veteran at this point. So, Ethan Petrie being a force yet again, I, I know he's already done so much for this ball club. But in a weekend like this, you need your stars to shine bright. Ethan Petrie is that guy for the Yardcocks. Going to be great to watch he and Jack Caglione go up against one another. I cannot wait to see it, man. It's, it's going to be an electric series. Uh, guys, we've gone this far in the show without me reminding you. Tonight, we'll be at Carolina Alehouse, Fort Mill. Looking forward to getting up there on my Fort Mill Gamecocks, Charlotte Gamecocks, Rock Hill Gamecocks, that entire area. Looking forward to hanging out with you guys. Guys, we'll have all the merchandise on hand, the Beamer Ball to the Moon shirts. Uh, we'll have the towels, the koozies, koozies to give away. Uh, also, we'll do a little bit of the Q&A, a brief one, probably around 7 or 7.15. And then it's 7.30, first pitch for Carolina, Florida on ESPNU. This is serving as a tour slash watch party for the game tonight. Going to be a lot of fun. Come on out. Going to be a beautiful night for it, by the way. So come on out to Carolina Alehouse, Fort Mill, 6 o'clock is when things get rolling. Really looking forward to seeing you guys out there tonight. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Yeah, Coleman, that's a good point. 
I don't give a damn what anybody says. I care about what's on the field. The most important person on the roster liked them enough to hire. All of the opinions are just cherries on top. You're right. Hey, Spencer Rattler likes Devil Loggins. That's really all that matters because he's the one taking orders and he's the one running the offense and he's the one throwing the football. And I, hey, I hear you and I agree. I agree because it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter how much anybody else. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Like the guy. If Rattler didn't like him, what difference would it make? What difference would it make? Yeah, it's a great point. That is a great, great point. Let's see. Uh, guys, with that being said, let's go ahead. We're going to jump into our first break. Do not forget, we got J.C. Sherbert upcoming at 1.15. So if you have questions, be sure to get them in now because J.C. will take up most of the second hour. That being said, let's jump into that break. More of your questions, your comments, your calls, and more on the other side. You're tuned in to The Daily Crow. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, 843-790-3377. And funny enough, <clears throat> during the break, someone sent me a screenshot from uh, some of the stuff on the uh, the Big Spur message board, some of the chatter that was going on about me and THUS. And I, I will say, the only thing I have to say back is this, about one of the comments I saw that people said that I went on the fan upstate and said that South Carolina was lying about spring game attendance, but Clemson sucks wasn't. Dude, I, I trolled Clem Sucks all day Saturday for fabricating that number. That that 50,000 number <clears throat> was completely made up. It, it absolutely was made up. Like, how do you have an even 50,000? It was made up. It absolutely was made up. So, I mean, I, I, I that's the only thing I was like, I never said that, oh, Carolina's lying about attendance, but Clem Sucks isn't. Clem Sucks definitely was. They absolutely were. They absolutely were. Like, there's no doubt. There's no way to prove you had 50K in there. There's just no way. And Carolina would have been foolish to not one-up them. Who gives a damn if you had 30,000? It doesn't matter, 20,000. If five people showed up, 
just throw up 51,000. Just to, I, I said they should have said 50,001. That would have been that would have been hilarious. That would have been hilarious. Just people just go, oh, people take everything to the extreme, my friend. It's hilarious. Either way, 8437903377. Ben Smith says if Kingston gets a national seed top eight, we lose our regional. Should he be fired? Monty bombed out a couple home regionals that Clem sucks with our bullpen being mediocre. I think that's at least possible. Ben, do you think our bullpen's mediocre? Really? I think our bullpen's not too bad. It's one statistically, it's one of the better bullpens in the in the conference, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know. Um, but the question that you asked is if it gets a national seed, if we lose the regional, you know, you're I will say this, Ben. As the wins increase, you're gonna reach a point to where there is no moving on from Mark Kings. I'm not even saying that I want them to do so. But it, let's say you win 45 games in the regular season. I, I think he's safe, no matter what happens. I, I really do, and I don't know. Anyways, let's jump to the phone lines here. Call from Dave Garrett. Dave, what's up, my man? How are you? I'm doing fine. Hope you are as well. Um, I got a couple football comments. Mm-hmm. But before I get to that, I thought I made the comment to Ravi that I'm um, – I was tired of that Zaxby Hall of Famer bullshit. So I hereby challenge Robbie to a Duke's barbecue eat off. <laughs> now, with that being said, uh, um, I thought I like Dodie okay, but I thought um, Sellers, in, in the small sample we got, I thought Sellers did better than Bailey or Dodie. Um, I don't understand why Gauthier is still there. Um, and I also thought that Dunn and Twitty did a little better than Juju as far as running the ball. But also, um, Joyner ran a little harder than what I thought he was going to run. Um, that's all I got. Good luck on Fort Mill. Be careful careful on the trip and i will talk to you later david the man i appreciate it so an eat off between a duke's barbecue eat off between dave garrick and robbie davis somebody needs to get a camera out there and let's see it um the conversation about the running back position and, and the quarterback too he, he said that uh that um uh, i think he said bailey he liked a lot but the running back position i, I liked what i saw from the carry on joiner I, I don't know if dunn and twitty are going to surpass juju mcdowell as as uh one of the top running backs but I think that the conversation continues, right, about who is RB1. I mean, flat out, just who is RB1. We don't know. We, we just flat out don't know. Um, you know, is it – I got to still think they're going to pick up somebody from the portal. I've talked a lot about this, guys, and I won't continue to beat a dead horse, obviously, or just hammer it over and over and over again. But I, I got to think they are going to go to the portal. There's no doubt. Um, got to think they're going to go to the portal, so – We'll see, but uh, I, I mean, I liked what I saw from the carry-on joiner, and, and I'll just say this too: that yeah, to Dave's point, I'm, I'm surprised that nobody's hit the portal yet. I'm I'm really surprised. I'll be honest with you. So, uh, Jacob E says Gauthier is leaving, not leaving, is the same reason Doty isn't leaving. They aren't good enough to be power five starters. No reason to leave and go sit somewhere else. 
Well, Jacob, why not go to a group of five? Is that a is that a like a no no? Is that a is that a is that frowned upon? I don't know why. By the way, people just get so upset when talking about that. Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't believe. It. I don't care if they sit here and ride on the bench all four years. Like, it ain't me. I don't give a damn. Like, cool. You just want to wear the jersey? Fine. So be it. I don't like that. Don't bother me. But uh, yeah, I mean, if they want to play, I mean, I Colton Gothier is never going to play. He ain't never going to see a snap here. I know he's he's had some in garbage time, but that's the extent of what he's going to get. So if he's cool with that, listen, it don't matter. If he's cool with that, it doesn't really matter, man. Doesn't really matter. Does not really matter. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm. Guys, we got JC Sherbert up coming at 115. We'll probably take a break at about 110 before he jumps on. Madison, the traffic around Willie B today is horrendous. Stay away. Okay. For those in Columbia, stay away from Willie B. Horrendous traffic. Ben Smith, do you all think Montario Hardis is a good coach? I was pissed when we had to use Bell last year. Seems like he can't recruit or develop players. You know, tough to say, Ben. Tough to say. Let's see what Dontavious Braswell does. I think that's another factor in the running back room we're not thinking about right now. But, um, yeah, running back was weird last year. Running back was weird. I definitely, yeah. I mean, listen, the, the Bell thing, Ben, I, I don't think that had anything to do with Montario Hardesty making the decision to, that was solely to appease to Jaheim Bell. That's all that was. That was, Jaheim Bell was getting upset, his family was getting upset, and it was like, how can we get him on the field as quickly as possible and show to him and his family that we're going to utilize him? And, I mean, you guys remember, I think his first game, he was at running back, he had like 20 carries. I mean, that that was throwing a Band-Aid on that situation. That really was. That that was nothing more than that. So, I, I think that's sort of out of Montario Hardesty's hands. Um, the Lloyd injury last year did not make things very easy or the Lloyd thigh bruise or whatever it was that kept him out. Um, yeah, it, it wasn't the easiest thing to navigate. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily hold that against Montario Hardesty, if you will. Um, let's see here. Let's look at the SEC baseball schedule for the weekend. South Carolina, of course, taking on Florida tonight. Georgia-Arkansas in Athens, the other matchup. The fifth-ranked Razorbacks go on the road. That one's on SEC Network. And, of course, Gamecocks Gators on ESPNU tonight. How about this one? Tennessee-Vandy in Knoxville. That'll be the SEC Network game tomorrow night. Georgia-Arkansas, of course. Kentucky A&M in Lexington. Auburn-Mississippi State in Auburn. Mizzou-Alabama in Como. And Ole Miss taking on LSU in Oxford. That'll be a really fun series. You know, Ole Miss, even though they've had a rough year, their fans will will show up and show out and be crazy. We all know that. So. Let's see. Austin Greer says, running backs don't matter. I mean, it, it definitely is a position, Austin, that has lost the value that it once had, for sure. John Everett says, worst baseball stadium in the SEC. You know, I haven't been to them all, John Edward. I will say this, though. As good as Tennessee is, and I guess they're not really good this year at all, but I went to win Lindsey Nelson last year. And to be fair, right, because it's a dump, but to be fair, 
Lindsey Nelson's one of those ballparks you can tell was built when college ballparks were just that. They were just college ballparks. Like now, stadiums are a whole different ordeal. The facilities in college sports are crazy. I don't think anybody saw it coming. If you'd asked somebody 20 years ago or told them what the college the college uh, facilities would be like, they probably wouldn't have believed you, right? So I would say, though, I mean, I've only, you know, I, I'm thinking off the top of my head. I mean, Lindsey Nelson's got to be up there. It's it's one of it's it's not a very good ballpark. It's not a good ballpark. So, um, let's see. Lynn Turner says, "I feel like a broken record pointing out there's more to college than playing time. They are taking advantage of the scholarship to achieve their own goals. There's something to say about enjoying being on the team and not having to take this Saturday punishment." I mean, Lynn, for sure. And maybe so maybe we should just drop it. Just stop talking about transfer portal stuff. Like, hey, whoever's here, here, and whoever leaves, great. But there's almost no point Lynn in speculating. And maybe, maybe we should just truly drop it, right? Because, like you mentioned, people have different goals for why they want to stick it out and be on the football team. And for them, some people, it's not all about playing time. It's just not. So, I, you know, that that's why I really know people ask me, hey, what do you think this guy's going to do? Do you think this guy's going to hit the portal? And it's just like, you're not in his head. You don't know. But again, Lynn, I would say, and everybody else, if you ask me, and I was asked, what would you do if you were in his shoes? What am I going to say? I don't have a comment. Like, I, of course I'm going to answer it. Like, yeah. But I also mention again, I'm speaking from a perspective and a vantage point that is my own. I don't have full perspective. So, Bruin Nation, running back does matter. It takes pressure off the quarterback and makes defenses both defend both the pass and the running game. So, I mean, you make a good point. Austin Gersh says you're only as good as your offensive line. That's a great point. And, and, and I know we're getting way out ahead of ourselves because we'll do our position unit preview series and, and we'll break all that stuff down for sure, right? I mean, we'll, we'll dive into that as we get through the, the preseason. But I posed this question in our Big Cock Club Discord, and I'd ask you guys, I mean, is anybody concerned about the offensive line? I think there's real reason to be concerned. Really, truly. And I'm trying to get these statistics pulled up here. Um, let's see. Where is it? Where are the stats? Where are the stats? Hmm. Let me see. Trying to find the stats real quick, guys, on the offensive line. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, nope. That's not it. Let's see. Okay, here we go. Here's the statistics. So, South Carolina last year, 106th in rushing offense and 81st in sacks allowed. 106th in rushing offense, 81st in sacks allowed. The offensive line is, yes, and your starting and best O-lineman got hurt in the spring game. So, Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, you know, it's just, I, the, the O-line's a question mark. I mean, in two to three years, our O-line's going to be a strength. With the guys we're recruiting, the O-line's going to be a strength. But right now, 
you know, now if if Nichols is out for an extended period of time, aka the entire season, now you've got just two returners back from last year in regards to guys that were your starters. I mean, I think you've got experience back, no question, but it's it's without a doubt a question mark for sure. Guys, again, really, really excited <clears throat> for this weekend. Excited. And I, I will say this, uh, the Rowdy Roosters. You know, Monty Lee went on inside the Gamecocks yesterday, I was told, and, and was was pleading with the Rowdy Roosters, come out to Founders Park. We need you. We need you to make an impact. And I want to take you back to a time. Spring of 2021, I was at Founders Park when South Carolina played Florida. And what's interesting about that series is that was post-COVID when we only had like 20% capacity. And even in that weekend, even in that weekend, with the few in numbers that we had, the Rowdy Roosters got under Florida's skin all weekend long. I'll never forget the Friday game. Forget who it was, the name of the starting pitcher. But walking in from the bullpen, finishing up his warm-ups, he does this to the student section, or does this to the fans. Little, the, little, the little chirping mouth, if you will. After the series, Josh Rivera, who is the Gators' starting shortstop tonight and all weekend long, he was getting into verbal altercations with the fans. You guys probably recall this. This was the hickey crotch grab weekend when he did that round of the bases and the Gamecocks came back, won the game, and they swept Florida. But this is a team we've literally seen players on this roster firsthand come into Founders Park and allow the crowd to get under their skin. So the Rowdy Roosters, it's your time to shine. Two night games at Founders Park tonight, tomorrow, it is on the Rowdy Roosters to make Founders Park the most electric environment in all of college baseball. And I may catch some flack for this, but you know what? I'm going to say it. Heckle away, man. Heckle away. Do your best or do your worst, I might say, and make life a living hell for this Florida Gators baseball team for three days because, guys, guess what? It's shown before. It works. It worked the last time they were at Founders. Let's do it again. Let's find a way. Give them hell for three straight days. And let's see where we are when the dust settles. So, Rowdy Roosters, this weekend is on you. Big weekend at Founders, man. Big, big weekend at Founders. Ben Smith, do you remember when they were throwing people out and giving warnings out at Founders? Are they not still doing that? I've, I've heard they're still doing that. I've heard they're still doing that. What a time that was, though, at Founders Park. Tommy Mace was the pitcher. God, I forgot that. Kudos to you for remembering that, Brendan. Yeah, but Tommy Mace was walking in, doing the, you know, chirping, whatever. Dude, it's... Rowdy, the Rowdy Roosters. I will say that that was a really interesting time to be at ball games because while the crowds, especially baseball, while the crowds weren't big until late in the season when they finally expanded to 100% capacity, while the crowds were not massive, the like you could hear everything everyone was saying, which almost made it worse, right? The chirps were so clear. Right? The chirps were so, you know, it just, it made it very interesting. A, a different type of challenge. We'll just put it that way. A different type of challenge. So. Travis says, O-line always seems to be a question for us. I, really, Travis, it is every year. We had a great conversation again this this morning on the podcast with, with Brett Siancia, Pick 6 Previews. And I asked him about his greatest, and I got a clip too to post about this. But I asked him about, you know, what are your what are your concerns, right? What are your top concerns for the Gamecocks going into the into the offseason? 
And he said, Chris, I feel like we say this every single year on your show, but offensive line. Offensive line. I just, every year. And, and I agree with him. We are saying it. Dude, Travi, are we not talking about running the ball and stopping the run every single year? It seems like every single year we're talking about it. Every year. I don't understand it. I, I don't know. I don't know why it just, how is this a three, four, five year question mark? How How is that possible? I don't get it. Austin, I hate Thursday night games in baseball. Is there a reason? Any particular reason why, Austin? So I just got a DM from this guy that says, was great to catch up with you, my guy. Hope to see the legend back out again in Cola. It's a picture of he and Steven Garcia. And I don't know if he's like trolling me or if he dead ass thinks that's me. There's just no way. Like, I get the jokes of that we look alike because we're two guys with beards, but I, Stephen Garcia and I do not look alike. Not, not, not really. Not, not really. That's funny. I DM'd him. I was like, you know that Stephen Garcia, right? What in the world? Ethan says, hate to miss out on Fort Middle Night. I've got a ticket to watch the game. Have fun watching us get the dub. Yeah, hey, for sure. Listen, I, I do not take that personally at all, my guy. Hey, have fun. Give them hell. <clears throat> have fun. Give them hell. Lynn says, Beamer's making the O-line recruiting a priority. That conversation's changing. No doubt it is. No doubt it's changing. Hey, no doubt it's changing. You're right. You're right. Austin Greer, the O-line wasn't bad last year. It was okay. I mean, Austin, it's just, I, you know, it's, Hard for me to say that it was great when you're outside the top 100 and running the football and 81st in sacks allowed. And I mean, they they were they were good enough down the stretch. Austin, they were not good for the majority of the season. It got better for sure. Like it wasn't like the top liability, but I wouldn't say the O line was great. Okay, so the kid said he he sent it to the wrong person, so he he knew. Okay, I was like, dude, there ain't there ain't no way that you thought that. Okay, that's hilarious. <laughs> Michael Lynn, Chris, who's your favorite TV color commentator? That's that's an interesting question, Michael. Great question. I don't know. Like, I don't know them all by name. That's the problem. I don't, you know, you know, I'll tell you this, and we've had him on the show. I I love listening to a game that that KP, Kyle Peterson, is calling. Listening to him, and I thought this way before I was ever doing my business. Like, I remember watching the College World Series when, when the Gamecocks won back-to-back national titles and listening to Kyle Peterson and 
I just I, I I just loved listening to him talk baseball. Like it was fun to listen. It's fun to listen to someone talk about the game that has the passion for it that a guy like KP does. So I, I love listening to Kyle Peterson on the on the baseball side of things. Again, football wise, there's so many of them that call games. There's so many of them that call games. Um, I mean, who doesn't love Brad Nestler, right? I mean, he, he does a great job. Uh, love some Gus Johnson. Bang! Like it's craziness. Um, I mean, I love me some Todd Ellis and Tommy Suggs. <laughs> love some Todd Ellis calling a game, baby. He's at the 30, the 35, the 40, the 45, the 50, the 55. <laughs> such a, he, I remember he had one call one year. Ah, Jake Bentley. You know, he, just like, he couldn't even spit it out that he scored a touchdown. I mean, listen, there, there, there's a, I will say this too. There's a weird, there's a weird contingency of Gamecock fans on social media that looks like they hate Todd Ellis being our play-by-play guy. And I'll say even with that being said, that like, is Todd Ellis, if you just like, if you totally fandom, if you put him in a in a room of, you know, radio play-by-play critics, would they say Todd Ellis is one of the best in, in the world? No. I mean, is Todd Ellis just purely a great play-by-play guy? No, he's not. I, I don't think so, but like, when you have a guy calling your games that has the passion for the Gamecocks, like Todd Ellis, I mean, it's just, how can you not love it as a Gamecock fan? You know what I mean? How, how can you not love it as a Gamecock fan? I mean, that that's, if you're a Gamecock tuning in, like, you're a diehard, man. Like, you you love it. You know what I mean? You love you love his passion and energy. And I mean, that, that's what really matters, dude. If you're a, if you're a college radio play-by-play guy, you just need to love the team you're calling. Right. And like having that emotion, that energy come out. Um, Ben Smith. Yeah. It's, it's no shade on anybody, but Andy Demetra, he was awesome, dude. I've had him on the show. He was incredible. I mean, the voice of some of the best moments in Gamecocks history. So who cares, Tommy, who cares? Yeah. GA throwing that one up. Yeah, Todd Ellis has got some funny calls though. One of my favorite Todd Ellis, two of them. One of my two of my favorite Todd Ellis calls. 06 Clem sucks when he says Death Valley is silent. That one is just electric. And then um the 2013 Clem sucks game. After uh Pharaoh Cooper scores the touchdown on that trick play. Or excuse me, when Brandon Wilds scores the touchdown on the trick play. And he says, chaos and Williams Bryce, chaos. That that's that's such a dope call. That's such a great call. So yeah. Maybe maybe we'll get JC. Somebody said that JC can do a hell of a Todd Ellis impersonation. Is that true? Lynn Turner, my least favorite Herb Street. I, I know people don't like Herb Street because of the Clem Sucks connection. I don't mind Herb Street. I, I don't mind it. I don't mind. I would love to get him on the show. Michael Lynn says you got to ask JC to do his Todd Ellis voice. It's fantastic. Josh, he's just not a good running back, Todd. Coming from Tommy Sucks. <laughs> oh, hurt me. Yeah, that's that's a funny one. Yep, that's a good one. That's classic. I, I never got to hear Bob Fulton, Travi. I, I never tuned in when Bob Fulton was calling games. I never did. James Kendall says, confirmed it's always a great day for JC impersonations. Well, 
With that being said, we'll get into, guys, the JC impersonations on the other side of this break. Uh, let's go ahead and take five. On the other side, we got JC Sherbert jumping on the line. Hey, we'll tune in or we'll, we'll, we'll be right back so you can tune in. But again, after that, we'll take questions, comments, calls. But on the other side, JC Sherbert, you're tuned in to the Daily Cross. All right, guys, we're back. Taking your questions, comments, calls, and we're getting J.C. Sherbert on the show here in the next couple of minutes, waiting on J.C. to jump into uh, the broadcast. Again, we will uh, get J.C. on when he arrives. But anyways, guys, let's see. Uh, John ever said he's not a Herb Street guy, no matter what the connection is. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Through and through. Is he the best? No, he's one of ours. You can't deny his passion. Therefore, keep calling the games. Indeed. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, Travis, by the way, I've definitely heard the Brandon Bennett call uh, when he leaped over the pile in Athens. I mean, who, who hasn't heard that, Travis? For sure. That's one of the greats of all time. With that being said, all right, it's 115, guys. Let's go ahead and get him in here. And talking about one of the greats and one of the best in the business, J.C. Sherbert of the Big Spur of Inside the Gamecocks. Really joins us. J.C., what's going on, my friend? How you doing? Hey, good to be with you guys today. Happy Thursday. Sorry I missed last week, but uh, got to be back. For sure. It's great to have you back. JC, before we get rolling into everything, uh, we started to get on the topic of play-by-play guys in college football, college sports in general, and of course the subject of Todd Ellis comes up. And I've heard you do a really, really good Todd Ellis impersonation, so I feel like we need to hear this. Is, is this true, false? What, what are your... I, you must do a pretty good Todd Ellis if they're saying that. Oh, yeah. It's basically it's not it's not that hard to do. He's just like, he's just kind of grunt. Oh, ooh, hurt me. He's down to the twenty five years old. He's to the sixty five. Oh, oh, you know he'll stuff over something. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I used to. I mean, I don't know. I I, I kind of was. Back in 03, when he got the job, I was kind of hoping that the other guy would have gotten it, uh, but um, he didn't. And uh, I, I I don't know. I may have given Todd, you know, I, I may have been a little militant about it back then, <laughs> but uh, as that role has evolved, I don't think I'd trade Todd Ellis for any play-by-play guy in the country because he's just – he's he's our guy, you know, and, and yeah, he may – uh, and, I, and I got, like, when he said Markway was down to the 27 years old, it's because Kyle Markway, I think, was 27 years old when, when he got his last year at Carolina. Um, you know, and all the little quirks and stuff he does, I mean, it's uh, it's cool. He, he's really evolved and all that. But, yeah, I'll, I'll get on it sometimes in the, in the course of the show, and uh, we'll start rolling with it. But, uh, yeah, Todd Ellis is uh, certainly an institution around here. And, um Remember him when he used to play quarterback. Uh, you know, I was actually talking to Tim Brando the other day uh, on the JC and Morgan podcast. And Tim Brando's first game with ESPN was as a sideline announcer in 1986, South Carolina versus Miami. That was Todd Ellis's first start as the quarterback mm. for the Gamecocks. So time moves pretty quick, but oh, yeah, hurt me, hurt me. Yeah, I, I can get going on it pretty good sometimes. Yeah, I don't know why, J.C., for me, this one stands out when Jake Bentley ran in for a touchdown against Ole Miss and the call, he was just like, duh, Jake Bentley. Like, he couldn't spit. Yeah. He was so excited. He couldn't spit Jesus. out what happened. Like, or to your Bentley. point, he was like, down, you know, to, to the 40, the 45, the 50, the 55. <laughs> like, to the 65. But, 
Todd's one of those guys, though, man. And I feel like, like, if you're going to be a college play-by-play guy, like having passion for the team, you're like, it's the area where, like, you can absolutely be a homer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're supposed to be almost like you're calling the game for your fan base. You know and I mean? there's no more Larry Munson. You know, Larry Munson right, was right. a homer, but he was just epic. He just have all these little Munsons where they were sitting there were trying to stop him. And they have foot speed <laughs> all over the field. Dogs down to the 15. Yeah. And we're down there. You hear his voice get heavy. You know, like, and they're driving on us. And we don't know. We're down to seven. And the rain keeps pouring down here in Athens. <laughs> you know, uh, one time, one time Munson did a Braves game. Oh. And it was amazing because he'd be like, you know, baseball's slower, right? And she's so like, Murphy at the plate, Horner on deck, Obert fell in the hole. <laughs> you know? And I was just like, man, that's just epic Larry Munson calling baseball. But there's no more Larry Munsons. There's no more Bob Fultons or Jim Phillips. I mean, it's it, it's a different era. And I think when you have someone as unique as Todd, it's kind of uh, a, a sort of a blessing, you know, because we all enjoy hearing what he's going to say next, right? It feels like a bit of a lost art for sure when it comes to radio play-by-play. But yeah, we love Todd Ellis for sure. Uh, JC, let's dive into it, man. A huge, huge recruiting day yesterday. And I'm sure you guys are busy talking about it on your boards, on your show. Your show. But three commitments make it public, uh, coming from the welcome home, stemming from the spring game and that weekend, if you will. Uh, three-star offensive lineman, Mike Williams. Of course, these are all 2024 prospects. Three-star O-lineman, Mike Williams from Maryland, four-star defensive back and safety, Kelvin Hunter from the state of South Carolina, Florence, South Carolina. And then four-star defensive back, Braden Lee, again, from Maryland as South Carolina just continues their dominance of the DMV. Just talk about those three commitments. And, of course, you know, JC, the Gamecocks, what they're doing right now. I talked about this yesterday, and I'm sure you have as well. It's just unprecedented. South kind of sitting right now, I think, fifth in the composite in regards to recruiting rankings. Uh, this class shaping up again, the 2024 class, to be one of the best in school history, seven of the nine. And I think we just lost JC. Okay, let's see if we can get him back in here. I think that was a JC thing, not a me thing. I don't know what just happened. Here we go. Let's get him back in. All right, there we go. Here we go. JC, we lost you for a second. You're good? Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, anyway, just wanted you to speak on, on the, the three commitments yesterday, the 2024 class, but the three commitments specifically yesterday, a huge recruiting day for the Gamecocks. Well, you know, yeah, Mike Williams and, and, and Braden Lee are both from Charles Herbert Flowers, which, of course, said Desmond Umiazulu and then walk-on tight end Maurice Brown uh, to Carolina in the last class. That's four guys from one school on the roster now. So, so that's A. Um, and, and they always put out players, uh, you know, j- just about everywhere up there. There's about a handful, four or five schools, uh, good council, uh, places like uh, DeMatha, you know, Charles Herbert Flowers that, that put out players. Uh, Mike Williams, I, I say this, I love big offensive lineman named Mike because you can call it Big Mike, you know, and I'm like Mr. Anti-Nickname, you know, but I like Big Mike for an offensive lineman, especially somebody who's 6'6", 330, uh, Kind of like a Blake Franks type, big-bodied kid, uh, very good footwork. You can just see the upside. Most of the, the analysts that, that were covered nationally that I talked to, um, you know, think he's good. He's going to go up in the rankings because he, he, you know, just like Desmond Umi and Zulu got a lot better as a high school senior. They feel like Big Mike will do the same. I, I wasn't always convinced he was coming to Carolina. I knew he liked Carolina a lot, but man, he had a great visit for the spring game. Uh, Lonnie Teasley, boy, what can you say about him and his group? Because it is a group 
Greg Atkins included, Sammy Searby included, that help him recruit these guys. But, I mean, the Great Wall of Carolina all of a sudden is a thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this guy is, you know, just like Franks. And I, what I love about all four of them, Chris, is that all four could play tackle, right? Carolina has had a lot of really good interior offensive linemen, not so much on the t- in the pure tackle. They've had to kind of move some guys outside. Uh, that's kind of an Eric Wolford thing, I guess. Uh, he, he, you know, has different stops. He's he's had these guys that maybe are guards in the NFL, but they they're kind of quicker and smaller and, and play tackle in his, you know, because he used to be a big zone inside zone guy, whatever. But you know, the, these guys are all like six five, six six, six seven. Uh, they could move their feet, and then you think about what they got in the last class with Big Tree Babalade and Trevon Ball, uh, Marky Anderson, Jatavius Shivers. Uh, and you're really starting to put together depth and and talent on the offensive line, uh, and Big Mike will be a big part of that. Uh, Lee is a longer, taller corner. Sort of reminds me a little bit because he, he's listed at 163 pounds. I heard he's more like 171, but he's a little thinner. Kind of reminds me of, of Demarcus Van Dyke that long time ago played at Miami or maybe uh, even a guy like Cam Smith. Uh, although Cam is about 5'11", you know, this kid's a legit 6'1", uh, that taller, longer corner that Torian Gray really likes. And he can fly and he'll hit you. Uh, he doesn't look like a 163-pound guy out there because he brings the lumber. Uh, and certainly, um, you know, uh, condolences to him because his father recently died and some things like that. But, uh, you know, he's always really been high on South Carolina. I, I was told probably after the after he visited from the Tennessee game, the, the, the Gamecocks thought they were going to get him and another four-star guy, Kelvin Hunter. Um, I think it was the first session of the first camp. They had a, a, maybe a little, a day or two off, uh, but they had the camp after the pandemic when everything opened up. And probably one of the first pieces of news is South Carolina offered this freshman safety from West Florence, Kelvin Hunter. Well, he kept visiting and visiting. He didn't hear much about it, but then all of a sudden, boom, his junior film comes out. Four-star player uh, with a bunch of offers. Auburn, Kentucky, Michigan all came in and offered him, but his heart was with South Carolina the entire time. He's your typical in-state defensive back, uh, even though he's getting, I think, the rankings and publicity he deserves. You know, a lot of guys don't. I mean, DQ Smith, Nick Emanuore, the list goes on and on. You could even talk about some guys that started at Clemson back in the day, like Tankersley and – and those cats, the in-state DBs, that you know, Darius Rush, you know, they ended up getting drafted. Uh, but he's a guy that certainly um, he'll bring it. He's an in-the-box type of safety, but certainly uh, is athletic enough to cover. Uh, like I said, four-star guy. I think 24-7 Sports has him second in the state. He's top four guy in the state. Uh, again, Florence is a place South Carolina should always recruit really well, uh, and they have been. The, the Xavier Thomas PTSD is over. <laughs> uh, because the Gamecocks are getting uh, really good players uh, out of that, out of the, the city down at 20, so to speak. Um, so three really big pickups, you know, overall, Chris, I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I don't know that I expected this. I, I thought, well, you know, you look at different pieces of what needs to be done in recruiting or what I've always thought they could do to do better. I've always thought, Hey, South Carolina's recruiting territory does need to expand a little bit. They need to go Miami to Maine up 95 because, 
you got a ton of players, ton of population, and a ton of students that come to the University of South Carolina from those areas. So it, it, it makes sense. It's the closest SEC program uh, to uh, the DMV. I mean, you know, you just – it doesn't seem that way. If you look at a map, you think maybe Knoxville's closer, but South Carolina's got it by about 30 minutes. So it's a popular choice for students, you know, people from up that way vacation in South Carolina. So I've always thought that would work. And then with Taylor Edwards and his connections with Maryland, having worked for Mike Loxley and all that, I, I figured they'd have some ends along with Shane Beamer, who's recruited up there, Tory Gray's recruited up there. Um, did I expect them to become the school of choice for elite? All the most of the elite got no. I, I was, uh, I thought, well, if you could pick off a, a Nick Harbor or something every now and then, uh, great. But uh, you know, it, it's more of a numbers game. So, so, th- so there's a box that got checked, and then. There's another box, in-state recruiting. South Carolina has to, to be really not – they have to sign really more than their share in-state uh, and not let guys leave. I mean, right now you look at the edge position. Well, what if they had Justice Boone and Tyrion Ingram Dawkins? You know, those are two guys that had not been for the transition and the losing and all that. They probably would have gotten both. Um, and so that's vitally important. And you look at the state right now, and South Carolina's getting everybody they want. And so – if they don't go to South Carolina, I mean, South Carolina doesn't have an offer on the table for them. And that's that's kind of what happened under Spurrier, you know, and, and it's happened quickly. And that's a surprise, the, the speed at which that's happened. Okay, so the state of Georgia, some of the best players in, in the history of the program uh, that have come out of Georgia, Sterling Sharp, George Rogers, Connor Shaw, uh, the list goes on. Recently, Mike Davis, J.C. Horn, all, all those are Georgia kids. You can, you can mess up recruiting Georgia because there's so many players. Uh, you can kind of get caught up in offer list, and, and really a lot of times, and this happened two staffs ago, uh, they take the wrong guys out of the state. Um, and yeah, that's easy to do. Uh, but Muschamp, I think, fine-tuned it a bit. And, and if you look at the players he got out of Georgia, man, like I said, Horn, J.J. Enigbare, some of the better players were from that state. All right, so check that box. But this staff, Chris, they're not just getting like, okay, nice pickup for South Carolina. They're getting like the kids Auburn used to get or Florida State got out of that state. Just the kids just right under Georgia's offer board. In some cases, these kids had verbal offers from Georgia. Um, Wendell Gregory, Michael Smith. I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on and on. Um, and, and I think they took a lot of really great players out of Georgia last year. So that's something I don't know that I expected because I thought Muschamp did such a good job in Georgia. This staff's doing even better. Okay, so Muschamp and his staff – and there are reasons for it. Probably his tenure with the Gators had a little to do with it. They weren't as great in Florida, you know, as maybe Spurrier and his bunch were. Well, now you look at it, Gamecocks are getting right back in it in Florida. You got a four-star legit dude in Pup Howard you beat the state on. Uh, you, you've got some guys. Unfortunately, they lost Anthony Rose, but he was a stud that was going to work out. Uh, Kwan Banks is from Tallahassee. Brian Thomas Jr. is from Orlando. So they're getting back in there. All right, so here's what shocks me. The rest of the stuff I can kind of kind of see, you know, they're going into places like Mississippi and and not just getting in the game for guys like like a Daniel Hill or Kamarian Franklin. And I, I don't know that they'll get Franklin, uh, but they lead for Hill. Here's a four star legit top 125 player in the country from Meridian, Mississippi, an hour from Tuscaloosa. You know that the Gamecocks are right there on top for it. when they hired Jody Wright. That was one thing that was mentioned. Jody's got a lot of connections over in Alabama, Mississippi, and Beamer wants to recruit over there. 
Uh, and I was like, ah, well, you know, they'll pick a, they'll get the Captain Munnerland or the DeAndre Allen or whatever. I, I didn't expect this. Uh, you know, so you start plucking guys out of the SEC West. You start plucking guys out of the DMV in the Northeast. You pluck guys out of Florida. You dominate your state. You, you know who did that and won a national championship and was had one of the best programs in the country for a long time in the SEC East? That's what Tennessee used to do. You know, Tennessee, for, for every guy like the Clausens or Eric Haynes that they go to Oregon or wherever and get, they were really, really active in, in picking off little handfuls out of other SEC states, uh, especially South Carolina, <laughs> uh, during that time. Uh, and I, I think that when you're at a place uh, like South Carolina that, that has the population, but, you know, the population is bigger in South Carolina than it is in Alabama, but there's not the numbers. You know, getting it out of getting quality guys from out of state is your biggest challenge, uh, along with guarding your own state. And I've just been kind of floored by like the, the the expansiveness of where these guys are able to go recruit, and it looks like it's going to continue. I mean, man, I looked at twenty twenty five the other day. South Carolina either leads or is in top the top two for like four of the top seventeen players in the country, including the top two players in the country right now for 2025 uh that's that's laying groundwork and building relationships and i've uh i'm usually pretty optimistic about recruiting um but i i don't think i expected uh this to be happening right now jc did mike loxley sell his soul to get jay sean barham to sign two years ago because <laughs> has been dominated in the dmv ever since I don't know. There was a lot that went on with that one, you know, uh, a lot of last minute back and forth and, and things like that. Uh, you know, at, at the time, usually Chris, when a kid comes down to, and, and there's those types of shenanigans that take place, usually the play, player doesn't end up being that good. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, he's pretty good. <laughs> and so they met, I wish they would have gotten, I wish South Carolina would have gotten him, but, um, yeah, they went all in on that one, and and I think I think they may have ticked some people off and and all that, but but you also have to keep in mind too, uh, the two guys that got Nick Harbor, Jay, uh, Jody Wright, and Sterling Lucas, that they weren't. I don't even think they were on staff at that time. Uh, Kimbrey was still there, and uh, of course, my, Mike Peterson was still there. So, you know, Sterling Lucas uh, when he was hired, you know, you talk about recruiting the DMV in Maryland and all that. I guess it got lost on me and everybody else. The guy spent five years with the Ravens. Now that's coaching pro ball, but he lived up there. So he has to know some of these folks and he's done an excellent job, you know, to be a guy that had never recruited on the road until he got to South Carolina. Boy, he's pulling some players, especially this position. And, uh, you know, Lonnie Teasley has some connections up there. Uh, like I mentioned, Jody Wright was instrumental with Harbor. Uh, it's just, uh, it's been quite a, uh, quite a turning of events. And, um, you know, unfortunately, if you're Mike Loxley, uh, you not only have to fight off Penn State and Ohio State and uh, the SEC and everybody else, you, you know, you have to deal with South Carolina. And so that's probably uh, sticking in their crawl a little bit uh, when the turtles, where the turtles are concerned. It's like the Jordan meme, you know, when he said, and I took that personally. I think that's Shane Beamer when it comes to yeah. <laughs> he's been, and I took he's that been Yeah, he's been taking it personally ever since. Uh, JC, let's move off of recruiting just really quickly on this because I feel like uh, 
I feel like we've been talking about this all week and I, and I hate to just like keep bringing something up where it's just like per sources kind of deal. But you and I had conversations off here as well. This whole Jordan Birch thing, everybody's got <laughs> questions about it, whatever. I, you know, the, 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 the talk was that he'd like to come to come back to South Carolina. I mean, who knows if it's actually even going to happen. Uh, anything to add to it? Again, you don't have to go into crazy detail, but uh, I mean that that rumor had to start from somewhere, and obviously, again, yeah, you and I spoke on it. But just overall thoughts on that situation, I'll say. Yeah, it, it's something that I, I don't, you know, just from the people I talk to, that nobody really considers it what I would call likely. Um, but I'm also not going to sit there for anybody that has said something about it and, and say they're lying because. There, there's some truth there to to maybe to maybe him wanting to come back. A lot of moving parts, though. I mean, you know, for him to be kind of free and clear and be able to do that, Chris, he would have to uh, have graduated from the University of Oregon in one semester. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Uh, if, if you just kind of roll in there and graduate in a semester, I don't know how you do that. Number two. Um, you know, they, they just passed these rules that, that are warding against the the pretty easy to get uh, waiver for the second. So they're at, unless they find a hard and fast loophole, you know, he would have NCAA issues coming back. Um, and then I did check with a source that talked to Dan Lanning personally, uh, the head coach at Oregon. Uh, now, keep in mind, this is an Oregon source, right? right. Uh, they said, oh, he seems fine. He seems fine out here. But uh, I know enough about the situation to know that it's not just a completely made up BS out of thin air uh, type of situation. But I just, with, with the, the hoops that would have to be jumped through and, and, and kind of the eligibility part of it, I'd, I'd be very surprised um, if he even transferred back. And if he did, then you're looking at another situation where you got to you know, to rely on the NCAA. So unless there's some sort of hard and fast, no doubt, no brainer waiver uh, argument, um, I still think he'll stay at Oregon. But, but you know, I mean, we this should have never been the situation. I mean, you know, you have, you have to kind of think about that sometimes. The grass is not always greener. Uh, it is in Oregon in the summertime because it's very green out there. But uh, uh, most of the time it's cloudy and, and all that. So, uh, you have to think about that. If, if you're going to leave and, and go, you know, away from a place you've lived your whole life and, and all that to uh, some places all the way across the country. And it's unfortunate. I mean, you know, these are still college kids and we all do dumb things when we were in college, but uh, you know, so if he, if he indeed is unhappy uh, it, it's very unfortunate, you know, especially considering that, you know, this year, had he stayed at South Carolina, I don't know what he's going to do at Oregon, but had he stayed at South Carolina, uh, you could see him start the light starting to come on and setting up, you know, for that really good final year like Zach Pickens had last year. And and certainly, you know, there's a lot of playing time available at edge. So, you know, we'll see what happens with that. But I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit there, you know, because some people, some folks will just dismiss things like that. It's just ridiculous. It's not. It's not a ridiculous thing. That there's a reason the talks out there, but I just—is it going to happen? I'd be lying if I said I was uh, anywhere at all confident that it would. Mm-hmm. JC, let's move into the spring game. Some on-field action. I feel like there's so many things floating around right now that as the off season's begun, they're like these talking points that you know we love to talk on the field what actually happened. So, uh, your overall thoughts on the spring game I and mean, offensively? You know, Rattlers, Chris. 
Eddie Lewis appears to be a top target. Trey Knox flashes thoughts of the carry on joint of the running back position than defensively. Uh, you know, Brian Thomas Jr., what he did off the edge. Uh, Jerron Willis, Pup Howard, flying around making plays. Stone Blanton, Jalon Kilgore. I mean, there's tons of takeaways, especially for the diehard, right? It's so easy for us to go into a spring game and say, well, it doesn't count. It doesn't matter. Like, we're not wired to watch a game and be like, well, none of that matters. Like, it all matters, right? So, I mean, just mm -hmm. overall takeaways and thoughts. What stood out to you from the Garnet and Black spring game? Uh, you know, I'll start with the offensive scheme. Uh, you know, I, I think that if that's vanilla – uh, I'd like to see what uh, I guess. I guess do you call it chocolate or strawberry or Neapolitan? I don't know, <laughs> but uh, I'd like to see what the 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 2.0 version is because they did a lot of things that you never saw. I mean, you, how many uh, crossing patterns? I mean, they threw it over the middle of the field. That that should have drawn a standing ovation from the crowd. Um, you know, they I, I like their short, quick passing game, Chris. You know. Satterfield went quick, especially like early on last year. But man, how many of those passes that, that he would dial up were behind the line of scrimmage? You know, mm -hmm. and, and look, if you've got great blocking receivers and, and you, you've got uh, an advantage on the perimeter, you can attack that way and, and be okay. But if you don't, you know, and you're losing, you're getting behind the chains, behind the sticks on, on first and second down when you're passing, that, that's tough. Put your offense in a tough spot. Well, Dowell Loggins, uh, this system looks to be like, you know, they are running quick game and short patterns, but they're all these three to five yard outs, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we had Perry Orth on the show right after you were on today, Chris, and he, he kind of compared it to like an old school West Coast offense where, you know, you are throwing those short passes for positive yards, you know, hoping they'll turn into eight to 12 yard gains. So I, 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 I like that part of it. I like the passing game part of it. I understand the run game struggled, but – I, I have a feeling they'll get that fixed, you know, and, and also before I judge the O-line, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to see what like the actual O-line play. I mean, this was a hodgepodge group from the start, you know, they didn't have all their starters on one line. Um, and so there's that, you mentioned the tight ends, you know, to me, Josh Simon and Trey Knox have a potential to really make an impact. Uh, Eddie Lewis, uh, I know uh, Spencer missed him on the first, but he was, what, 10 yards wide open um, and then made some really nice plays. I, I think if you're kind of looking at who – he can replace Josh Van kind of and, and play that Josh Van type of role where, you know, and I think he's probably a little faster than Josh in a straight line. Um, you know, really like what I saw out of him. I, I think that DeCarry and Joyner at running back uh, is something that can work out. You know, you'd, you'd almost like – a couple of those runs, Chris, for him to instead of bouncing into the outside to follow his blockers up inside, because when he did get between the tackles, I thought he was effective. Um, but I think that will come because I think as a quarterback, sometimes maybe his tendency is to hit that edge. You know, you got to kind of stay, navigate the, you know, follow the navigational beacons, as uh, Jimmy Buffett says, right? Um, and, uh, and and I think I think in time he'll be able to do that. And I'm not talking about in time, like middle of next year, I'm, I'm talking about like, Hey, by the time the season gets here, I think he'll be much more comfortable. Uh, you know, I think Anderson is a guy that's adjusting to the speed of the game once he does. And you kind of saw that in the spring game. I think he's going to be fine. Obviously they do need a portal running back for anything, you know, depth purposes uh, at the very least. So that's a big priority defensively. 
I do like what I saw to Brian Thomas Jr. I, I thought, you know, as a what what you call a DPR a down pass rusher, um, that's a guy that could help in in the rushing department. I think, you know, situationally and things of that nature. Um, you know, really liked uh, Eliza Davis too, uh, kind of in in a similar type role as a, like a down a down guy that can get to the passer. You know, Pup Howard uh, obviously played really well. I thought uh, Jaylon Kilgore flashed to me, the true freshman safety. Um, and then Stone Blanton, uh, I think, as an in-the-box linebacker, Chris, uh, he's night and day better, like quickness-wise, reading his keys-wise, filling his hole-wise, that kind of thing. Uh, I didn't see enough out of him to kind of get a gauge on is he going to be like N'Kobe Dean and be able to track a guy down from the other side of the field or not? I doubt that. But but as he's gotten more comfortable and, and, and worked on his speed and things like that, uh, he seems to be uh, at a better spot. Uh, and, and not that he was awful all year last year. It's just you know, there were some noticeable times where his speed got the best of him. But I, I really like what I saw out of him uh, as well. So that would kind of be my whole, like off the top of my head, my uh, – my thoughts uh, just, just personally about uh, some of the guys we saw Saturday night. Mm-hmm. JC of the guys that flashed in the spring game, I mean, especially the newcomers, but just of the guys that uh, impressed you most, you know, we, we know in spring games, right? Take it with a grain of salt, just because you're the spring game MVP. It doesn't mean you're about to be all sec and have some great season, but of what you saw, was there one guy or two, or was there a guy you saw that you feel like, that's a sign of things to come, and you could see having a really, really big 2023 season. It would, yeah, in that category, if you're talking this season, it'd be Trey Knox. And, you know, because, like, look, we talked to we talked to Trey Biddy from Arkansas, our Arkansas site, twice in the preseason, just kind of talking about that game, and he raved about Trey Knox both of those times. And then against Cincinnati, he had the big touchdown. But as the year went on, you know, you know, Trey caught a lot of touchdown passes, but he, you know, 22 pat receptions. You're kind of like, oh, well, it's kind of like Jaheim's numbers. Uh, but that dude's legit. And everybody I've talked to, they're like, that dude's a grown man. And he's also a you know, a guy that's come into the program, embraced the program, which is kind of weird sometimes for a guy that's like a fifth-year transfer, uh, and and is a leader uh, in that room. Um, so, so Knox would be that guy. I think if you're talking about beyond this season, Lenora Sellers has to be the guy, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to be the captain choo-choo of the hype train here or anything, but, uh, I mean, they're just factual reasons why you like him. I mean, he's, he's huge. He can run, he's poised, uh, you know, that passing through to DJ black, who I like as well as a walk-on receiver, uh, man, that on the, on the RPO there in the second half, he just guns it in like it's nothing. Uh, several other passes, his receivers kind of could have gotten to it. There, there's the throw to Kylie Horton, and, and Kylie was out of bounds, right? But number one, how about Kylie Horton making the one handed grab? Number two, he stuck it where only Kylie could get it, and, and that's that's so important with quarterbacks because the, the, the defensive backs in this league are so good. Um, but he's got a cannon. Um, I, you know, like I said, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't, I don't see him unless something bad happens. Uh, I don't see him being the starter this year, but I think when you look down the road, you know, the, it's not going to take him that long to develop and get to the point where he could not just be good. Uh, but I think great. I mean, I think, uh, I think, 
you know, when you look at like just who he is, uh, it's pretty easy to determine that down the road, you know, that's going to be somebody that can be special. Is it too bold of me, JC, to begin asking the question? I mean, we all believe in Shane Beamer. We believe he's, let's just say, going to win an SEC championship. Let's just say he's going to get to Atlanta. Is Lenora Sellers that quarterback? Is that is that Beamer's quarterback that gets in there? <laughs> I don't mean I'm going to say. Like, I'm going to say this. Who that guy's going to be. He's the type of. He's the type of quarterback that can get you there. Um, because. You know, and Carolina's recruiting really well at receiver. You know, I think in at least for 2024 class, they're going to get two stud running backs. You look at the offensive line recruiting that they're doing. Uh, look what they're doing on defense. When, when you have talent across the board that you can go compete against the best teams in your league with, your X factor many times is your quarterback. And a guy like this, I mean, how do you stop everything? Because if he can throw and you got a bunch of fast receivers that, that can catch and that are going to, you know, make you know, uh, light up the scoreboard, if you got great tight ends that are athletic that can get down the field, if you got really good running backs and you got a, an awesome offensive line, I mean, you can try to get everything stopped uh, under the sun and he's still going to dart out for 10 or 15 yards a lot of the time. I mean, that, that was kind of. One of the better things Connor Shaw did when he was here, you know, Sprayer dial up the play, shoot, just let's go try this one. And uh, it wouldn't be there. And uh, Connor just run around the end for 10 yards, drive extended. Um, and, and so, and then you're talking about his size and how big this guy is. I mean, so, you know, just like everybody found out last year with KJ Jefferson, it's hard tackling that guy all day. You know, it was hard tackling Cam Newton all day. Uh, well, then guess what? This guy's faster in a straight line than probably both of those guys, you know. Um, I don't remember exactly what Cam ran out of high school. I think it was I think it's it faster than I thought it would be, like a four, five, five, something like that. Uh, and I, I don't know that KJ was like about, but about four, seven. So you talk about all you know, what, what, what's going to be kind of an equalizer uh, against some of these better uh, defensive teams in the league and, you know, what makes you problematic to stop? It's usually a quarterback like this guy where you're just going, it almost makes you sick. You stop, you stop everything else and then boom, all, you know, great. You can play the defense perfectly and he's going to dart up there and, and get those yards and, and, and really uh, hurt your feelings. So uh, is he the guy that will lead Carolina to an SEC championship? I, who knows? But that type of guy, that's how – those types of quarterbacks that could do things like that, um, those are the guys that usually lead breakthroughs uh, when you're talking about, you know, uh, a, a, a division hopeful becoming a, a championship contender. JC, on the diamond, South kind of Florida this weekend. I know that uh, JB and I feel like we took up the entire segment this morning just talking baseball. But uh, And I know you and I haven't spoken in a couple weeks, obviously, so – uh, it's, it's been an interesting last few weekends for the Gamecocks. You know, as we mentioned this morning for the third straight weekend, you're the premier series, I think in the sec, uh, this weekend it's three versus six, obviously. And another great opportunity to really showcase why you are one of the elites in college baseball and, uh, solidify, right. Your chase to a top eight national seed. So just overall thoughts on South Carolina navigating the gauntlet. And then this series this weekend against Florida at Founders Park. 
Yeah, well, you know, if you can win this series, it's four and four coming out of this gauntlet. There's another one coming up, but, uh, you know, this gauntlet, uh, and I think, you know, I thought if, if they went four and five, that would be a good deal. You know, I, I think maybe my expectations got a little higher after the the slugfest uh, the first night against LSU and then beating Vandy 14 to six in game one, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to use a little superstition thing that has nothing to do with, you know, and my intelligence about baseball is not, I wouldn't call it super high, uh, but my fiance and I are kind of superstitious when it comes to baseball. And we're always worried. Like when one of our teams starts off a series with like 13 or 14 runs, because, because when you look at the averages of the sport, you, you almost run out of runs, you know, you're only <laughs> going to get so many, in other words. So you'd almost like to move seven from Friday over to the, the rest of the series or whatever. Um, and I think that happened because Carolina was up four, nothing, uh, again against Vandy in game two, and then it's ran out of runs, right? And uh, Vanderbilt's a really good baseball team. A lot of a lot of teams struggle up there with them, uh, the field, the way they play, the, the speed. Uh, they're a momentum team, too, so you, you really have to not let them ever get momentum if you're going to beat them. Um, and, and so it was what it was, first series loss of the year. Uh, I'm sure Carolina wishes they could have one or two uh, of those back. Um, so this one, you know, uh, they got to come to Founders Park. Uh, you mentioned earlier on the show that the last time they came up here, they were completely rattled. Uh, they're a spunky competitive team with a lot of talent. Uh, and, and we'll go see. I mean, they've got, uh, you know, their pitching staff. Don't let them fool you with the ERA. We talked to Monty Lee earlier this week, and he's, he's like, they got some elite arms. So, uh, and Carolina's got some injury issues. So, you, you got to kind of, you know, weigh all that and then go shoot your shot. Uh, I'll say this, though. There's no reason why the Gamecocks can't win the series. I think this team has answered most of the questions this year. They're coming off a series loss. So, hey, it's time to get after it and get back up and, and go see what kind of damage you can do. Um, because uh, as JV pointed out, uh, it's it's time to start talking national seeding all of a sudden. I mean, we're at April 20th today. So, um Time to start talking about, uh, you know, can they be a top eight seed and all that good stuff. JC, this has been electric as always. Before I let you go, the one last thing. I uh, was just sent this four-star defensive lineman. Heaven Brown Schuler is announcing his commitment tomorrow live on 24-7 Sports. Gamecocks are amongst one of the eight finalists. The other schools are A&M, Michigan, Georgia, Virginia, uh, Clem sucks, North Carolina, Oregon. That's tomorrow at 4.45 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they'll be streaming that live on the 24-7 Sports YouTube. Any indication of where the Gamecocks stand there? Yeah, they don't, they don't feel good. I think, he's, I, think, I, I, I think he's going to Clemson. Um, and it's just one of those guys uh, from out of state that, that once he started – and he, you know, he visited Carolina a lot when he was younger. Uh, but once he started visiting Clemson, he, he just really fell in love with the place, from what I'm told. Um, I know somebody that knows him really well, knows his family, really like Clemson a lot. And, you know, that that's the one – Georgia, you know, if you look at Clemson's recruiting, they, they may not be able to get what they used to get in-state. They may not be able to get what they used to get out of North Carolina and, you know, nationally, but they, they still do really well in the state of Georgia. Um, he's a really talented guy, and – another defensive lineman going to the Tigers. But uh, I think the Gamecocks could be okay at that position. I just uh, – you hate 
you know, because I do think Carolina led early, and, and you hate to lose that early lead, especially to your in-state rival. But it is what it is. You're not going to beat them head-to-head on everybody. They, they've been too good recently. So uh, uh, hats off to the Tigers for getting one. And if you're the Gamecocks, you just got to keep on keeping on and uh, mm-hmm. and see what else you can you can pull from this class. You can't get them all, which is why we always say all we got is all we need. Shane Beamer is uh, certainly getting what Carolina needs at this point. J.C. Sherwood of Inside the Gamecocks of the Big Spur. J.C., always a pleasure, my friend. Truly appreciate doing this electric combo as always, and looking forward to chatting with you again soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good one. Yes, sir. Appreciate J.C. And uh, we got five minutes left, guys, so we'll keep the show rolling. Let's open up the phone lines here. Let me see. Let me get the phone lines open, 843-790-3377. In case anybody wants to sneak in a last-second call, I thought really good stuff there from J.C. Sherbert. I thought really, really good stuff. Um, Ruben Nation said, I heard Pastor of Pain, his friends with him and his family, and told him to stay away from Columbia. Really? Really? Oh, Corey Miller. You don't think he's still salty, do you? Wasn't that a Spurrier thing versus a, a South Carolina thing? That's something. If you got... If you got one of your alums negative recruiting against you, that is, uh, I don't know. Interesting to say the least. Guys, let's see. Let's get into your comments. I saw Eric Reese, our guy our, our guy Reese, with a comment about J.C.'s hair. Have, what's scarier, having to block Jadavion Clowney or J.C.'s hair? I love it. Again, I appreciate J.C. Sherbert taking the time. That was a lot of fun. J.C. does a great job, and uh, always a pleasure speaking with him. And per J.C., Heaven Brown Schuler will most likely be choosing Clem Suck. So, again, as he mentioned, you can't get them all. Uh, Shane Beamer is certainly getting what we need at this point. Guys, be sure to check out the podcast. We'll drop this morning, episode 777, a full breakdown of the Florida series. Um, also the, the Birch rumors, if you will, um, what else, what else recruiting talked a lot of recruiting and Brett Ciancia of pick six previews as well. Really, really good stuff on the pod today. Of course, TDC guys, you can drop it drops every single day at three o'clock and find it there on the Spurs up show podcast feed as well. Uh, all of our audio content can be found there, guys. Hope again to see you out at Carolina Alehouse Fort Mill tonight. Going to be a lot of fun. We'll have all the merchandise for sale. Uh, Going to be a really good time. John Edward. It's uh, an hour and forty-five minutes. It's not too bad. It's really not too bad. John Edward. Somerville was like two hours and forty-five minutes. And then next week, a week from today, will be our final tour stop. That is Myrtle Beach. That's a four-hour trip. So unfortunately, I hate to, hate to tell you guys this, but uh, I don't think we're going to rock TDC next Thursday or Friday because. Just travel. I mean, just travel. There's really no way to do it. Uh, anyways, let's jump to the phone lines here. And we got a spam call to end the show. Great. Love that. I have been getting so many calls about my car's extended warranty and health insurance. Like, those two things that I have been getting blown up by people. Absolutely blown up by people. So, I don't know, man. I don't know what it is with the spam calls of late, but it's all yeah. Cars extended warranty though has been just nuts. That has been nuts. So let's see. 
Travi, what do you think our run defense numbers will be, Chris? Run yardage that we give up. I, Travi, let's go through the portal and see who we add. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, better than 194 yards per game. Travi, I'm almost just saying that because I don't want to think it could possibly be worse, right? <laughs> so, I'm going to say better than 194 yards per game. Um, retired band homie, a.k.a. Brendan. Surprised you aren't taking another break after J.C., Brendan sits here and acts like I take 100 breaks a day. I take three breaks over the course of a two-hour show. Three breaks. Most shows are taking breaks like every 20 minutes. I'm taking a break every, at the 45-minute mark, the normally normally hour 15 mark, and like the hour 40, hour 45 mark. So, absurd, man. Even the big Cock Club Discord comes at me. Guys, again, this has been a lot of fun today. I appreciate y'all. Looking forward to a great series. Again, I've got South Carolina taking down Florida two of three. I think it's going to be a great weekend. A lot of offense, expecting a lot of home runs. Two of the best home run hitting teams. The two best home run hitting teams in all of college baseball. I think the ball will be flying over the yard. But you know what? You know what? This is a great weekend also for South Carolina's pitching to step up, to make a statement, and it starts with Will Sanders tonight, Jack Mahoney tomorrow. You need those two dudes to pick up the slack with Noah Hall out. Why not? Great weekend to have a weekend. Great weekend to win a series and a horrid weekend to be a Gator. Guys, that being said, we have hit 2 o'clock. Again, thank you all so much for the continued love of sport. We will be live tomorrow, of course, noon to 2. But uh, until then, guys, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Go Cox, beat Florida, and we will see you all tonight at Carolina Alehouse, Fort Mill. Y'all take care.